how can I have spiritual integrity with my sex life, you know? And like, that doesn't have to look like I'm a fucking Puritan. So that's why I mean, I'm curious to ask other people about what their experience is with it, you know? What does their, what does others healing look like? everybody this is Ryan and this is Louisa and you're listening to sober sex I made a promise to myself to stop not listening what it looks like now is that I make conscious choices around my sexuality it started with putting down the substances really and starting to listen and the listening to my body has changed Hello everybody and welcome to season two, episode one. Is it Lou? Episode one? Or are we like episode one? <laughs> we recorded episode like, one with each other last night. I know, but I feel like host the episode isn't like real. That episode. was zero. <laughs> so this is like 1.5. Yes. Anyway, yay, we're here. We're here with the amazing Beverly Sartain, who is the president of the Holistic Coach Training Institute and went from substance abuse counselor to coach. And she now trains other people who want to take their life challenges and do meaningful work into the world on how to coach and start a coaching business. She just authored her first book, Congratulations. It's amazing. Transcending Trauma, How I Used Spiritual Psychology to Heal My Life. And we're so stoked to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. Yay. Thank you for having me. Amazing. So what are your preferred pronouns? Her and she work for me. Fantastic. And where are you? In Jacksonville, Florida. So where is that? It's on the East Coast of the United States. um, And it's the northern part of Florida. And so you had mentioned kind of like self-care activities to prepare for this. And what does that look like for you today out of curiosity? Yeah, for me, it's just creating sacred space for myself. So I pulled a card, I have some crystals, I've got some candles going, um, creating an intimate space and a space where I can connect more with myself, with something greater and with the two of you. It's important to me to be really present and intentional. And so I really, I'm really intentional about what the space feels like because I want it to be harmonious and calm Um, Because sometimes I can have nerves and I can, you know, have my fight or flight response going. And so anything I can do to kind of make the ambiance calm and soothing works really well for me. I love that. What card deck do you have on board? Witchcraft. I'm sorry? (laughs) Bring it on. Now let's go into witchcraft. What card deck are you drawing from? It's called the Ascended Masters. Masters of the Light. Okay. Oh my God. First of all, I just want to say quickly how I met you because that was pretty powerful for me. Beverly like guided me and instructed me through, what did we do? You did my chart, right? Yeah. You did my birth chart and then you applied that to work and then you ran like a Facebook live, was it? Yeah, we we did did a little workshop. So you can take your birth chart and you can look at the birth chart and you can essentially see maybe what type of offerings you can be giving to people, maybe what type of Facebook group or social media group you might have, depending on where the signs and fall within the houses. So um, astrology is just a bit of a hobby of mine, um, but I really geek out on it and just love it and have applied it to my own business. And so I love sharing it with other people because it gives you some really good information that I think 
helps when you're new and you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> you're trying to figure helpful. it out. Exactly. Last year I was like, yeah. what should I be doing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I heading in the right direction? And it was so cool to see that um, the information which you shared with me, and it turned out to be a bit like your husband. So you were able to be like, oh, here's... <laughs> like doing this and you should be being public with your offerings right yeah. now and things like that and it really helped me to kind of shut out that doubt mm-hmm. that was I think a lot of new coaches have when they're starting out what I've come to found, find is that the reason I've been called to being a coach is because there was a very natural kind of tie to my empathy and that spiritual aspect that you a you helped me kind of harness and open up and you know this idea that I had to be an expert or something was was not actually true, but something you hear a lot, I think, especially with those coaches like Tony Robbins, where he's just like coming in so bold and just being like, Wah, we're doing this. And you're like, oh my God, I've got to be like that. Oh, right. I don't feel like being like that right now. And and so thank you so much because like that was the jumping off point for me, really. That's wonderful. I'm, I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. for sure, for sure. Um, so outside of the the it seems like very exciting hobby of astrology. Um, can you tell us what uh, about your work and why clients come to you? Yeah, absolutely. So the work has evolved, which is really, really neat. And so just to kind of speak to what Rose was just saying is where I started in my business is not where I'm at now. And I think that's the hard part when people start is they think they're supposed to know everything. They're supposed to know their niche. They're, they're supposed to know their offers. And the truth is, you're going to figure that stuff out along the way, and you have to give yourself the the journey in order to figure that out. So I kind of came into my coaching business six years ago um, because I really wanted to shift from substance abuse counselor to coach. And so at that point, people were coming to me for alternative recovery because I didn't get sober through traditional 12 steps or meetings or treatment. And so... Um, I had this different thing of spiritual psychology that I was sharing with people. Um, And as I was doing that, people then started to come to me because they saw me very visible and successful with my coaching business. And they wanted to know more about how I was doing that specifically because it was recovery coaching and it was a bit different than what, what some other people were doing out there. And then now that's turned into actually training coaches um, to be a holistic coach, sort of um, a certified coach. And we do that through um, our coach certification program that's ICF accredited. And so you can see like where I started is not where I am now. And what I love about it is it's just been, it's been such a beautiful and crazy journey that I could have never have plotted out myself. And I just kind of have been along for the ride and willing to learn and willing to make mistakes and willing to mess up. And um, through all of that, I've just had incredible opportunities come to me and I've, I've stepped into them. And um, so it's been, it's been awesome. And also, I mean, just to kind of speak to the point that you guys were making earlier about like f- being new in an occupation and kind of being f- thrust into a position of expertise, like I was mm. thinking creatively, like we're not necessarily forced into that, like as a, as a musician, as an artist, like no one was ever like, you have to be a professional at first. In fact, most people were like, please don't like try and be a professional DJ. That's <laughs> stupid. Um, but the fact that like, yeah, in, in a, especially like, I guess, I guess the coaching sector that there's immediately kind of this assumption that you must be, I mean, obviously like 
at a level of professionalism, but like you must have all your shit together right. in order to tell people yeah. how to get their shit together. Where in reality, like of course, any any great skill takes time and and experience to develop. Like, yeah, so totally, I love what you're saying, and I really encourage people to focus on, you know, being themselves. And I think that is the hardest part that that that's actually what what comes up as a challenge for people is maybe that they realize like how how challenged they feel to be themselves or to be visible with the truth of who they are or to express themselves through writing or, you know, speaking or whatever it is. And so that's part of the journey, too, is you you really like you have a mirror and you're looking at yourself and you start to see maybe all the imperfections and and what do you do with all that? Do you know how to work with that and learn from it and grow from it so that you can keep moving forward or do you start to see that stuff and just shut down? Mm -hmm. Right? So part of what I always work with people on is we're not just learning how to coach other people. We're learning how to live this holistic lifestyle. We're learning how to take care of ourselves. We're learning how to be the demonstration of what we are supporting other people around. And I find that when you can be the demonstration or the example to other people of what what you're sharing with them, that that's way more powerful and way more profound for people to actually get results because they're in a partnership with somebody who's who's also very committed to themselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important part of it. Yeah. Of course, to have it like be a lived expression of what you're talking about as opposed to just like here's the handbook. <laughs> YOLO. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And to kind of reverse this isn't necessarily uh could, could you, would you mind talking about kind of your own path to how you found recovery out in an alternative mm -hmm. circle and then what that looked like kind of moving into this is multi-part question <laughs> but yeah yeah I got you moving into kind of being a substance abuse counselor and then how you kind of pivoted into coaching or jumped into coaching because for myself like the layman I'm not quite sure what the differentiation is between those things yeah absolutely so i was working at a domestic violence shelter um, when I was 26, when I realized I was trying to be of service to other people and was pretty darn good at it, but was really not good at being of service to myself. Um, I was using relationships to feel good. I was using work to feel good. I was using substances to feel good. And I had this huge void inside of myself that I had never resolved. And I was just trying to fill it with all kinds of stuff. And so I kind of hit a midlife crisis at that point, um, where the shame and the anxiety and the depression was just so intense, I actually started to have suicidal ideations at that time. And so I knew I needed to get help, but it felt so hard to do because I was the helper. I was mm. the one who helped other people. And so to admit that I needed help was really, really challenging for me. And so that started that first step. I mean, once I started to have suicidal ideations, I kind of knew I need to do something about this um, or something really bad is going to happen here. So I ended up actually telling an ex-boyfriend um, who we had separated because of my substance use, but he was kind enough to support me in getting to a therapy appointment and driving me there, making sure I went. He scheduled that for me. And so I ended up going to that. And that's kind of when the turning point happened. Um, it took another three months or so for me to actually stop using substances because I kept thinking I could moderate um, and then kept um, uh, just having a lot of consequences from it. So um, 
at that point, I was feeling like maybe I was going to get to a point where I was going to lose my job. And I just felt like, okay, I need to do this. And so I just from one day to the next was like, I'm going to do this with the help of my therapist, who was incredible. And he kind of also said, if you're going to make the changes you want to make in your life, you know, we need to think about not drinking for the next year. And I felt like I could commit to not drinking for a year. I felt like uh, that that time frame was really helpful for me. Thinking about not ever drinking again or doing drugs, just it felt too big. But when he said, let's just work on this for the next year and see what happens. And everything started to shift and change for me. And then about mm-hmm. six months later, I went back to school for a master's degree in spiritual psychology. So that's kind of when the spiritual psychology piece came in. And that's the real tool or technique that supported me in resolving my past traumas and um, really the things that were driving the addictions for me. Um, And so then I stayed in nonprofits and became a substance abuse counselor at that point um, and worked at nonprofit treatment facilities. Um, And then I was at a crossroads in my career where do I become a social worker? Do I have my own private practice as a therapist? I would have had to go back to to school for that. And that's when coaching came on the radar. And and I am so glad it did because it's been such a good fit for me with my creativity. And just it's really allowed me to, to be very creative and have a lot more time freedom and, and financial freedom. So that's kind of how the journey went down. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's really, really cool to see that evolution and how much of the education process mirrored you kind of healing as well. I love that you say that because that's what I do now in the Holistic Coach Certification Program. It's like an experiential experience, which is what I had with spiritual psychology. So you're learning the coaching skills, but you're receiving the coaching skills. And through that process, there is healing that happens and there is transformation that happens for people because your awareness is increased. And when your awareness is increased, then it gives you the opportunity to to have a choice point of, am I going to go back into victim consciousness or go back into the behaviors? Or am I going to empower myself with a different belief or a different behavior or a different feeling? And I just started to pivot more into the empowerment through my thinking and my feeling and behaving. And I practiced it over and over and over again for several years. And now in April, it'll be 15 years in my recovery. And then I just started to create, yeah, this new way of being, this new way of being. And so it's, it's been, it's really been remarkable. It really has. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. And you light up when you say it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I feel from where I where I was to where I am now, it's like it's I could have never imagined that life could be the way that it is now from the perspective that I had back then, because that's really the shift that happened is I had a shift in perspective and Mm -hmm. my perspective is so different now. Like I always look for the learning and everything. I'm willing to grow. I love evolving You know, I love to take risks and see what happens. So it's just a very different perspective than being in fear or victim consciousness and thinking everything's bad and wrong. Yeah. Or happening to me. Right. Or happening to me. Exactly. Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
Absolutely. And that's so exciting. To, sorry to interrupt. The, just the, a lot of the kind of transformation that you're talking about, like I know I personally have experienced via 12 step, but I also know that 12 step mm-hmm. isn't the only way, you know, and that like to make it very clear that um, recovery and as a, like, as you mentioned, a holistic idea is not like exclusive to that realm that there are many different paths to this idea of like real flourishing. It's not just abstinence. That's like a full joyful life in which numbing or checking out or like, I don't know, figuring it out isn't necessarily like the goal. It's like, it's a, as you say, like a revelatory process. Yeah. It's, it's finding your path, right? It's like you could, you stop to do the substances or the behavior but then all your shit bubbles up. And now what do you do with your shit? And so you have to have the path or the way in order to support yourself in doing that. If that's the 12 steps and working the 12 steps, awesome. For me, it was learning the, the principles and the paradigms of spiritual psychology that supported me in resolving my unresolved issues so that I could make peace with my past and my trauma And I could then open up my consciousness to actually work on things that feel creative for me or feel joyful for me. Like my mind was always on the past and all of the shit that had happened. And so I just couldn't create what I wanted to create because I was always looking back and always feeling like I was being dragged down energetically from the past. And so I had to resolve that stuff and kind of make peace with it so that I could open up my spirit to, to, you know, my potential, which I always knew that I had. So yeah, it's like, there's a lot of different paths out there. And I just encourage people to find, find the path path that resonates with you that encourages you and, and work it, work it and, and have your learnings from it. And know that sometimes you have to move on from that, that path too, and up level and do another path. And maybe there's some more learnings that are available to you from there. I think it's important that people know that that's okay, that you're meant to evolve beyond things and receive new things so that you can keep growing. Definitely. And like, there's space for all of it. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for 12 step because it saved my goddamn life. But there has been so many other things in my life that have also helped so much enormously dbt i'm a huge fan of and it syncs up really nicely with 12 step stuff and i know lou engages in a um a ferocious gestalt practice which oh, you have <laughs> the whole world and yeah you love it i know gestalt too i love gestalt we studied gestalt in spiritual psychology Oh yeah, yeah, they are on that tip for sure. But yeah. that idea that they can, they can kind of be woven together and like that it's it doesn't have to be like a kind of one lo- one road leads to Rome. That like the path to kind of authenticity is actually like playful and curious and of course rigorous, but also that can it can look like a lot of different things. And that like I think the like as you were kind of saying, like the part of the leveling up spiritually is maybe being able to like uh, accept because <laughs> I know I can get super like hyper hyper rigid around that that it's like it's this way or no way, and like that's in fact not true. <laughs> right, it's a misunderstanding. Right, yeah, beautiful. And amazing that we live in a time now where so many different patchworks of recovery are available. So it means that more people are getting the opportunity to access recovery because, you know, 12 step doesn't resonate with everybody. And I think up until recently, that was the only thing that was really on offer, right? 
And um, it's amazing that 15 years ago, you found spiritual psychology. It is. And so it's, it's, it's neat because the 12 steps and, and AA and NA, they just, they weren't on my radar at that time, which, which sounds really kind of weird, but <laughs> I was just connected to counselors and therapists because that was kind of the path I was on. So for me, it made more sense that, oh, I'm going to go see a therapist or a psychiatrist to receive help from this person. And that felt like, and it was the right first step for me because I was really breaking down mentally and emotionally. And so Mm -hmm. that is where I needed to go in order to get support. And I just happened to work with a lot of people that were therapists and counselors, and one of which who was studying spiritual psychology. And he was just like, I think you would really resonate with this and that you would love it. And he was 100% right. And I actually mention him in my book, because I talk about light bearers along the path, that there's these people that are placed on your path along the way. And, um, and they're there, you know, giving you some sort of gift. And his gift to me was um, sharing spiritual psychology with with me, because it, it changed my life. Yeah. We'll just go straight into the intimacy piece. Do you perceive that your clients struggle in the intimacy part? Well, I think that um, it's interesting. So, so in coaching, one of the, the International Coach Federation, they have these core competencies. And one of the core competencies um, is trust and intimacy. Um, and they just updated this model and they changed it from trust and intimacy to trust and safety. So similar, you know, similar verbiage, but a little bit different. Um, so I find it really interesting. I think that, that when we want to hold space for somebody else, um, we also need to make sure that we're holding space for ourselves, meaning that if we create trust and intimacy with a client, we also want to make sure that we have trust and intimacy. And so when I'm teaching and training people, I, I ask them, you know, are there any misunderstandings that you have around trust and intimacy hmm. in your own life? Um, because if we're not looking at that and resolving it, it's going to make it more difficult for us to have trust and intimacy with mm. with, our, with a client. In terms of working with somebody that's doing deeper healing work, and just for myself to, um, you know, intimacy when you've experienced a lot of trauma can be challenging because it does feel unsafe. You know, there's, there's just the, the system and the body can feel unsafe in a lot of situations, whether that's when you're having sex or when you're first starting off a relationship and you're starting to get more intimate with somebody, or whether it's being intimate with yourself, again, um, that it's just that we need to look at that and make sure that we, we're supporting ourselves and being more connected and more supported um, so that we can feel intimate and then resolve some of these things that maybe make us feel unsafe at times. It's so interesting that they changed the language around safety or intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like when I think of intimacy, I don't necessarily think of safety off the bat, but it's such an important element of being able to connect in that way, like in terms of especially like emotional intimacy between like a coach and a client. Right. Um, but it's funny that you mentioned the like the, the feeling of uh, like lacking safety. Like I remember... Mm-hmm. In my present relationship, I, as we were like kind of falling in love and that feeling of emotional intimacy was growing, I felt like I was not unsafe, but like on fire, like most of the mm-hmm. time, like I was so kind of like turnt on mm-hmm. 
this new level of of relationship that it was it felt it i i unsafe doesn't seem like the right word but it seemed like a, there was a lot happening kind of um yeah on that polyvagal ladder right um, totally not ah! stop right so, <laughs> but i'm i'm curious why do you think they kind of changed the the language I'm not exactly sure why they, I think it's, it's interesting. So when that word comes up, sometimes when we're doing coach training, some people have an aversion to it. Intimacy. Which word? Intimacy. Intimacy. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I think it brings something up for people. And personally, being someone that works through healing and helps other people heal, I think that's a good thing, that it brings something up for them. Um, so instead of shying away from that, I encourage people to look at if the, the word intimacy is triggering you in any way that you, you know, you look at that and you, you get support around resolving what's there for you, because that's not just going to get in the way of a coaching relationship that is going to get in the way of an intimate partner relationship or other relationships that we have. Mm. If for some reason we feel like it's not safe to be intimate or we don't like that word for some reason. Um, and so I, I see the value in both words. And so the way that I teach it is I teach the old, the original version and I teach the new version because I want people to have the experience of both. Um, so I'm not exactly sure why they changed it to safety um, but I'm almost, my, my intuition is that it's more accessible for people. Mm -hmm. It's more accessible mm -hmm. for people to say trust and safety than trust and intimacy, because in a sense, maybe they don't want people to take intimacy in the wrong way <laughs> um, sure. when it comes right. to a, a, a coach and coachy um, relationship. Like maybe there are some people that don't have boundaries around what emotional intimacy looks like, mm -hmm. and they're thinking intimacy is something else. So. Yeah, it's a great question. And I might dig into it a little bit more um, to see what they say. But that's yeah. my, my hunch around it. Yeah, keep us informed on that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm super curious to hear why as well. And also, can you have intimacy without safety? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? I wonder if I'm sure you can, just maybe it's like boundaryless. <laughs> it's right. like, oh, now we're one. Then is that intimacy? Is that because that wouldn't be my mm. definition, my own personal definition of what intimacy looks like. My own definition of what intimacy looks like requires a level of feeling safe. Yep. Me too. Um, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, no, but even in your in the way that you express your sexuality, Loom, we've talked about that quite a lot. Like there's a lot of you have safe words and within kink there's there's a huge amount of no, safety when you look at it and it's interesting i think that that i like especially when thinking about like self like if i am i my goal right now like moving into the year is to have to be able to be cultivating a safe place like to be safe for myself to exist within you know that there's like no attacking myself that there's no kind of mm -hmm. um self aggression um, and of course I would never want to bring an aggressor into a relationship that is supposed to have, that is in really any relationship, but is especially one that's supposed to be intimate. Right. Um, however, it's interesting that we kind of are discussing this alongside sexuality because I don't, for me, it personally, I'm like, uh, while I'm very pro like consent and pro creating, um, a context in which everything can be explored safely, the, the connotation of like safety versus intimacy are very different. <laughs> so it's interesting oh, wow. that they kind of like, I'm like, I want, 
in order to ex- explore sexually, I want it to at least feel dangerous. <laughs> you know, I think if- danger can feel safe. No, well, that's it. That like it, the knowledge that everything is safe allows anything to go much deeper, right? That it allows the intimacy to go deeper. But it's interesting that I'm like, safe is not sexy, even though, you know, it fucking should be. <laughs> like, this is what right. we want to be socially <laughs> cultivating. It's like, yes, safe is very sexy. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking about my own relationship as well. And like how I, you know, we talked in our very first episode of season one about what we were kind of into sexually mm-hmm. and what that looks like and and learning to advocate for those needs as well. And knowing that, in order to sort of play with that kind of thing that Esther Perel talks about, the desire and the security. and the the security. Thanks. Yeah. That I need I need both. And often they don't feed each other. And like, how do we keep cultivating that in our relationships? And I know that for sure sometimes I had to explain to my husband like some of the things I like potentially might not feel that safe for you, you know, or whatever. And like that's okay. We can be compatible in that if communication is used, you know, which that's in like, that's, I guess that's it, right. That often like intimacy and communication and like that level of emotional connection might not feel safe if it's new, right. if one has a past experienced trauma right? or if one is just like a lot of addicts and alcoholics are like intimacy feels fucking nuts. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That same like making out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> for sure for sure yes so um how has your evolution of an intimate and sexual being changed and transformed in recovery it's it's transformed tremendously you know so because of my my traumas in the past um I had never had sober sex until I was in my mid-20s um, when I got sober so um that was really scary it was scary to partner up with people and and to feel so vulnerable, you know, to feel so vulnerable. And this was still at the very beginning of my recovery. So I didn't feel like maybe I um, had the techniques and tools to process what was coming up for me. And so that's why I'm so grateful to spiritual psychology as well is because during that two year time frame, um, I, we, we sat in these trios and so you would sit with three people and the one person would be the counselor learning the technique and giving the technique. But when you were in the client seat, you would use your own life. You would use your own story. Right. And so I would use that opportunity to process through a lot of the traumas that had happened to me. And so that was, that was a safe place for me to do it, mm. where I felt like I was held within the space and within that that trio of people, and um, that I could process through it. And so for me, it was really important to be processing on the mental and emotional level, and the spiritual level, these traumas, because then it supported me in being more in my body. And I have to say, like, that the physical level has been the most challenging level for me in my recovery. Um, so I've quite nicely worked the mental, emotional, and spiritual levels. And I'm, I feel very comfortable on those levels. But the physical level has always been more challenging for me. And so like, when I started my recovery, I couldn't even get a massage because I was so triggered by, by touch. Um, and so to see where I am now with all of that is just tremendous. And so I've done a lot of body work um, 
to, to just get more used to being touched and, and allow that, allow myself to feel safe within that. Um, and so that's changed. And of course, you know, with my husband now, it's, it's just been such a beautiful relationship because he is a safe person for me and he is a spiritual person for me. And so I've been able to communicate my needs or what's coming forward for me, what's coming up for me without there being shame from him and without there being shame from myself, right? And because that shame is not there, yes, it allows for the old energy because it's just old stuff. It's just old stories. It's old energy. And like, luckily, I know that now. And so I don't get so attached when I have body sensations when maybe we're being sexual or I just let it be. And I try to remember that my body is having its own experience and that my mind knows how to deal with it and that my spirit, of course, can deal with it um, mm. and be with it. Yeah. So there's been a lot of work. <laughs> you know, like It's taken a lot of work um, specifically on this area of my body and my sexuality um, because it just, it wasn't where the focus was. The focus was, you know, how do I work on getting my mind better? And how do I work on, you know, working with my emotions um, so I can function in, in society? And once I got better with that, then it was like working the body and working the sexuality piece and working in these other pieces. But I had to have a partner that I felt, um, that I was able to do this with because I already knew that there was so much there. I wasn't going to be able to be with somebody that wouldn't be able to hold space for this. And I have to say like that, that was a really big thing that I was looking for because Richard is my first um, sober relationship. Um, and so, you know, and then that turned into a marriage. And so it's, it's been a journey. Um, and, I've had really awful relationships, um, as many of us do when we're in active addiction. And so, you know, for me, having a, a good relationship with my, my partner, it felt so important to me. Like where other people maybe want to have a, a baby or they want to have this or they want to have something else and that feels really important to them. The one thing that I wanted in life was that I wanted to find somebody that I could have a healthy relationship with. And I'm happy to say that I feel that that we'll, we've accomplished that and we continue to work on that. So, yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Congratulations. That's You're so reminding me of like the goal of my continuous recovery as well, because it is just that to be, what a gift to be able to be in relationship with somebody else. Mm -hmm. I don't think we, we give enough credit to that in the world. It's so powerful. Congratulations. Yeah. And especially when we've been in really bad relationships and when there's been so much trauma, because the trauma really gets in the way of feeling like it's okay to connect with yourself mm -hmm. and with other people. And so that becomes really hard for people to heal. And the truth is a lot of people never heal that. And, and, and they stay in that disconnected place. So for me, it was like, I have to start with reconnecting with my true self. And that's what the spiritual psychology helped me with. And then it became like, now that I am connecting with the truth of who I am, can I find someone else where, where we can connect with the truth of who we are together? 
right? And then from there, it's been then kind of rebuilding some of my relationships with my family and, you know, moving from there a little bit, bit outward. But it's really hard when you've experienced a lot of trauma to reconnect with yourself and to be able to be sexual and to be able to enjoy that without dissociating or disconnecting or all these different things that can happen for you when you're so used to being in that kind of a state. And so, um, you know, hats off to anybody out there who's, who's working through a lot of trauma and working through that, you know, within the landscape of intimacy and sexuality, because I know it's not the easiest thing, but it is, you know, you're well worth it. And, and it's definitely worth continuing to work on. It's just finding the right people. It's finding the right people that are going to support you like you guys. That's why I was telling Rose at the top of the hour, just, I, I so appreciate this platform because this is honestly the first time I've ever had this conversation with anybody you know, outside of what I, the work I did spiritual psychology wise, it's just not a conversation that happens a lot. And so the work that you both are doing here, it's so needed and so necessary. And I just, I I really appreciate that you both are doing this. Oh, thanks. I'm well emotional. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you so much. Rose is crying. <laughs> um, uh, listeners, it's because I can see her on Zoom and not because we're psychic. <laughs> um, that's Although so we might be. Although, yes, we are working on it. Um, but um, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, um, uh-huh. would you mind just breaking down kind of this, the tenets of spiritual psychology and how that might like – differ from say like dbt or gestalt or you know like what are the things that make spiritual psychology uh special and unique okay so the the definition is that it is the study and practice of the art and science of conscious awakening so i think that's already something that makes it a little bit different yes (laughs) i've got shivers yeah like Ouch, I want, I want that. that. Let's go. <laughs> right. And so it is. It is like how can you use your sexuality to continue to evolve consciously or to continue to wake up? And so that's that's what I feel like happened with my recovery. It wasn't that my recovery was substance focused. I always tell people this. It was actually that like the substances are what woke me up. And through that process, that's how I had my spiritual awakening. So I don't talk a lot about my recovery from alcohol and drugs. I, I talk more about it in this broader broader view of it was substances, it was mental health, and it was trauma. And it was that trifecta of things that really led to me waking up because I was at this bottom and, and it was either this way or that way. And I chose you know, to live. And through choosing to live, I then said, okay, if I'm going to choose to live, then I need to learn how to live because I don't know how to live right now. And what I mean by that is is learning principles and paradigms to live by. So you're asking kind of what those are. There's 33 principles of spiritual we psychology. Need right now. I'm just kidding. Right. I'm like, I cannot tell you all 33. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Better yeah. listener, Louisa. <laughs> right. Right. So but the one that was most impactful for me was this, you know, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. So when I heard that, I, it just felt like truth to me. 
And what it did for me, it created a paradigm shift in my consciousness, which is really what spiritual psychology is all about. It's about resolving uh, unresolved, um, unfinished business, unresolved issues, that misunderstandings that you're holding in your consciousness. Mm. Because if those things don't get resolved, they get created. And so, you know, I had a lot of self-loathing. I had a lot of negativity. I had a lot of victim consciousness. And that's what was in my, my consciousness. And so that's what I was creating. And I was re-traumatizing myself and just creating more and more of this life that I really didn't want to be experiencing. And in fact, I knew I had a lot of potential inside of myself. So it, there was so much shame and like, how am I not living my potential? How am I not actualizing my potential when I know it's there? Um, and it wasn't until learning these, these principles and pra- paradigms of spiritual psychology that I started to s- de-identify from, I'm just this awful human being who's never going to rectify any, any of these mistakes I've made. Because that's kind of where I was. I just thought, there's no way to rectify this. So I'm just going to live the rest of my life as this awful person who's made bad decisions. And and that's not a fun existence, right? Well, it makes sense um, that the suicidal ideations were coming up if that was right. the kind of belief. Exactly. It, yeah, I was just completely perpetuating and abusing myself in my own thinking. And that was kind of the aha that I had of, okay, I'm not drinking and doing drugs or in a relationship right now, but if I don't resolve what my self-talk, what I'm thinking in my, my head, I'm not going to get better and I'm certainly not going to maintain sobriety. You know, And so that's where spiritual psychology really supported me because it taught me self-compassion. It taught me a specific technique around self-forgiveness. So I actually learned how to take a negative thought and then forgive myself for having that, that thought or that pattern or that belief and work on resolving it spiritually so that it was, I'm done with this. I'm done with this pattern. I'm done with this belief. I'm resolving this for the last time. I'm letting this go out of my consciousness, out of my energy. Um, And so I just had a practice around those tools and techniques that, you know, I continue to share with people. So that's the other thing. I've literally been doing this stuff for 14, 15 years now where I share it with other people, but as I'm sharing it with other people, I'm doing it too. And so I've kept myself in this energy of resolving things. And the truth is, I went from 95% judgment to maybe 5% positive thinking to now completely flipped to where I'm 95% positive thinking, maybe 5% judgment at times. Um, But it's such a different experience, as you can imagine, if you flip that. Um, And it's, it's all from just learning different perspective and different paradigms that I then applied to myself and took some sort of action on. And the action was the practice, just continuing to practice, being committed to having a healthy relationship um, and being committed to having healthy relationships with my family. And it's just built. It's built on top of itself. It's like being a Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm just like looking at like, who are you? <laughs> and, 
and to, to kind of like I'm like what is this world I want in <laughs> you are in you are in it yeah happy we're here right. we're doing it we're in real life right. we're here I'm not dissociating ladies and gentlemen I'm just very shocked by this new information about spiritual psychology and it's paradigm <laughs> and so within this kind of um structure can you t- help help us understand or better understand like what holistic means like how does the kind of um, being a holistic practitioner fit into that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just yeah. like, wow, it's like a jigsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and this like holistic approach I learned through spiritual psychology. And it was really a good approach to learn because, again, I was still processing a lot of trauma at this time when I was going to this room full of 300 people where everybody was processing stuff. So there was a lot of energy moving there and a lot, a lot going on there. But learning these four these four levels was really helpful. So it's the mental level, the emotional level, the spiritual level, and the physical level. You've, you've already heard me share about this in our podcast today. So creating a practice around those four levels and doing something on those four levels every single day can help you as the listener feel more safety, feel more safety and more intimacy for yourself. And that way, when you're intentionally taking responsibility for creating more safety and intimacy for yourself, it helps you then deal with what's going on externally that we cannot control, which feels like it's it's so much (laughs) these days that we cannot control, right? So the practice is those four levels and the holistic approach is those four levels because what happens is people... Yes, you, you, I mean, not all, not all at the same time, though, some of the things overlap, like, let's just say doing yoga, right? Somebody might consider that spiritual, somebody else might consider that doing something physical, somebody might consider you know what I mean? It's like, you can consider these things, however you like more. The point is, is that you be intentional with how you're using it. Mm. Um, And so if you're making sure you're doing something on all of those levels every single day, and you do that over time, you start to just have more dominion over yourself because you're looking at the mental level. You're looking at the emotional level. You're including the spiritual and you're including the physical. And so it just makes you feel more well-rounded. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So like, <laughs> I'm like oh, this is the best. I'm going to become a holistic coach. Um, <laughs> watch me show up. <laughs> um, Please do. <laughs> no, but like, no, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, I was checking out the website earlier. I was like, to this. Um, so for example, like, <laughs> can you give us what your four levels were today? Like that you kind of intentionally, intentionally, um, accessed and then Rose and then me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me this morning, um, did some weights for the physical level, um, and connected with my dog, which felt for me on the emotional level, um, and also spiritual, just, just that connection there. Um, and pulled the cards, the cards for me can go either way, like mental or emotional. Um, these cards in particular, they probably were hitting the emotional a little bit more for me and and the spiritual level. So that I like to pick I like to pick things that hit a lot of different levels, to be honest with you. And that's kind of what you're alluding to. So I, I think that 
also, you know, the crystals can be grounding and help with the, the spiritual connection as well. So, um, yeah, those are the things I did this morning to prepare. Yeah. Nice. Ooh. Love them. Lou, what did you do? Let me see. I woke up, I did yoga and uh, some intense intervals which was a blast. So I guess that would be physical, but also it's, I'm, I'm trying kind of a new yoga practice that feels very mental. Like it feels very embodied, which takes some kind of mm. um, mental intention for me right now. And then uh, meditated. So spiritual um, and then did some like learning French and brain training. So I guess also mental. And then emotionally I was at a meeting right before this. It was mm-hmm very emotional and that was good and am i missing anything no you got them all Well bang <laughs> great day <laughs> good you day did good day high five what were they physical emotional mental, mental spiritual mental. spiritual physical i woke up and i did prenatal yoga publicly oh my god yeah <laughs> um that was very weird because it's the first time i've exercised i love exercising as a way of kind of processing mm-hmm. any pent-up um I think a lot of it's trauma actually just being in the world, just being a human and being alive and being in a skin. And so <laughs> I moved to, to regulate my nervous system and I haven't been able to for a few weeks since, well, since I found out I was pregnant and, um, several weeks. So today was the first time I did that and I got in my skin and got in my body and that was, it was all right. It was a little disappointing, honestly, because I didn't, my story I told myself about how I was feeling was not the one that, you know, you know, when we do sport and we haven't done it for a while and prenatal yoga is not really sport, <laughs> let's be honest. Anybody's done it before, it's a lot of lying on cushions. But I was just like, this is lame, boring, I want to go fast. And I can't at the moment and it's a real challenge. Plus little intervals of throwing up were interesting around that. So that was physical, but it was good because I showed up for myself on the mat, Comem, and um I so wanted to bail because I didn't sleep last night either. So, but I did it. I showed up. And so I'm well proud of myself. And then um, I was having some anxiety afterwards just about the pregnancy and also noticing being in yoga, the mental chatter that was coming up around that. And then learning yesterday in a notification that my baby is developing ears and it can soon start to hear things. And I was like, oh God, I hope it can't hear my negative internal dialogue. And so to them, I decided I would do a written meditation. So that was my spiritual thing this morning. And I wrote it out and I specifically called out to universe and my higher power to like, give me the willingness to, to show me how to like transform this right now, Mm -hmm. this thinking. And so, because honestly, when you get this amount of hormones in your body, mm-hmm. you feel like a newcomer in recovery. It's really mad. Like before I was feeling very much, um, really great. My recovery a bit last year, even despite all of the outside stuff, I'm just feeling like so on fire and things are going great. And then suddenly you get pregnant and you're like, I feel nuts. And so just asking the universe to come with me on a journey on that and help me kind of 
be okay with what's coming up rather than trying to force anything aside, you know? I think there's a tendency when we kind of find spirituality or whatever is to be like, it has to look good and positive. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And which kind of defeats the frigging object. Like, quite frankly, I just asked like God to help me being acceptance of where I am right now. So that was my spiritual. I know I'm banging on about this, but it feels kind of profound. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and then what was the other one? Mental. Emotional. Emotional. Mental. I finished my work. I had quite a lot of work that I'd been putting off and um, I took everything to bed because sickness has been intense and just work from bed and I finish. I'm working on a book at the moment and I finished some homework I had to do with the uh, the uh, the PR company on that. So awesome. yeah. And you're, yeah. you're doing such a good job with it because it's like you can take this these four levels and you apply it to something specific that's going on. So for you, it's like, creating a practice for the pregnancy, right? Right. And then same could be applied if someone wants to, you know, take this practice of to create more intimacy. They could do that as well. So that's how I, yeah, that's how I up-level it is I always, if there's something I'm working on, I just take the four levels and then I recreate kind of what, what the practice looks like. So it's helping me with something very specific. Nice. So that that's a great way to work with it too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Pivot, 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 pivot. <laughs> it was like really amazing, like podcasting. <laughs> Just bring it back. Sober sex. Yes. <laughs> it's great though, isn't it? Like you have a conversation, you think you can have a conversation just about like sex. Everyone thinks it's just penetration. And then we ended up, just, you know, talking about intentions and mm-hmm. I just love it. It it's always goes in such a different direction every time. So, um, what is exciting for you about 2021? 2021, well, what's exciting about it for me is stretching myself to be more visible. That feels nice. exciting. Um, that feels challenging in a way because I, I can tend to have some social anxiety. Again, like just from the past trauma, sometimes my fight or flight response is real sensitive. And so... Um, there can be times when I feel really settled in and then there can be times where I feel like, you know, I don't even know if I can do this, you know? So it's, it's just that kind of a feeling sometimes. Um, And so it feels scary to stretch myself to be so visible, but it also feels like it's time and I'm ready. And, you know, I already am visible, but this is just challenging myself to be visible in new and different ways. I think, I'm always trying to be on that growth edge of, you know, what can I do next that's going to take me a little bit out of my safety zone. Um, Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know when I do that, I actually create some more connection and intimacy and opportunities for myself. Beautiful. And speaking of visibility, tell us about the book. Congratulations, you wrote a book. That's brilliant. Amazing. And I'm so excited about it. I wanted to write this book for so long. This has been on my bucket list for forever. Um, I dedicated this book to my inner child because my inner child child is the the writer. And um, when she didn't have a voice and she didn't understand what was going on, Um, she used writing as a way to express herself. And so this feels just like a big full circle of being able to share 
my written expression and, and my truth with people through the pages on the book. And it's called Transcending Trauma, How I Used Spiritual Psychology to Heal My Life. And it's, it's a story about my healing. So it's not a story about the trauma. Um, and I made sure to do it that way um, because there's still people living that feel challenged by the book um, and, and my sharing. And I've you know been sure to communicate to people that it's really meant to be a story about how I healed and how I used spiritual psychology to heal. It's not a story that's you know, a judgment on the players in, in it. So that was really important to me. And that's kind of how I always talk about my recovery. I mean, I very rarely talk about all the shit that happened. And I, I more talk about, you know, when the change happened and how I healed from there, because that's just kind of my perspective now and, and where I'm at. And I don't find a lot of value personally to go back into the shit and like just name it all. <laughs> you know, like I'm really done with all that. And I'm at a place in my journey where for me it's just about acknowledging what's there and talking about how we can resolve it and, and make it better and, and learn from it. Um, so yeah, it's 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 my application of spiritual psychology. So I break break it down into the four areas that I feel like were part of the transformation, which, which are increased awareness. Um, Another part of the transformation was changing what was in my consciousness. I think that was a big part of how calm I healed so quickly and how calm my life has um, gotten better over the years is because I just, I don't have the same thoughts or thoughts or misunderstandings going on in my consciousness that I did way back then. Another part of the transformation was learning new new skills. So I had to learn self-compassion. I had to learn self-forgiveness. I had to learn some of these things so that I could let in the love and I could let myself be healed. Because um, I was just walking around with this shield <laughs> for so long, not letting anything in because I didn't want any more pain to come into my existence, but I was also not letting love in. And so a big part of my process was like putting down the shield and letting in the love and letting myself be supported by something greater than myself. Um, And that's really how some of the healing started to happen. And then the fourth part of the transformation is the embodiment piece, the practice piece. Um, So learning all of the spiritual psychology stuff, and then embodying it. And being the person that talks about it and shares it and lives it and breathes it. And by doing that, it's really created a new way of being for me. So, yeah, that's all in the book. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, yes. Where can you find it? Um, you can get it on Amazon. And um, you can also get it off of our website, Holistic Coach Training Institute. It's also located there. Holistic Coach Training Institute. Fuck you, Jeff Bezos. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I direct. Um, seriously, though, um, I, I really appreciate the fact that you kind of talk about like the practical lived and embodied tools because I think it can be very confusing, especially in early recovery when people are like, oh, you need more self-compassion. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> How do you do that? What the fuck? <laughs> right. I fucking hate me. Like, um, so it's, exactly. when you were talking about kind of like watching the thought of like kind of self-attack and then really consciously pausing, rewinding the tape, changing it to self-forgive. Like I think that that 
even as a kind of daily like check is such an incredible practice just to be able to kind of implement because like I mean especially in the kind of the the quote-unquote self-help or even in any kind of recovery movement there's a lot of like great sounding suggestions without mm-hmm. kind of the specific way to implement them you know and this sounds like a really helpful tool right and that's that's what I loved about the spiritual psychology because it was almost like it, it's the theory of it but the it's not just theory. It's like, okay, now take this and do something with it, you know? And so it's like hearing these principles and these paradigms. And it's like, how am I going to apply that to my, my experience, you know? And so there's one of the things that I love about spiritual psychology is it really taught me, like, I have to take responsibility for what's in my consciousness. And that was a big shift that happened because up until that time I had been absolving myself from any responsibility. And so I was just creating like a shit show in my life and kind of just pointing the finger at everybody else. Like, but you guys did this and you did, you know, and it was just like, I wasn't owning, like, this is where I'm at now because I keep being a perpetrator in my own consciousness towards Mm -hmm. myself, you know? And so that was really hard to admit to that I was basically self abusing myself with my thoughts and my feelings and my behaviors. But it was also a big turning point because I was like, do I want to keep abusing myself this way? Or or do I want to learn how to be more kind and more loving and have better self talk and like, just be with myself? Can I you know, can I learn how to be with myself in a more loving way? And that was that was it. That was the intention. It was just like, I need to learn how to do that. And so you're right. It's like, okay, I have compassion for other people. I don't have it for myself. What's getting in the way here of me having it for myself, right? And it was all of the the shit, like the misunderstandings that I was still holding on to about I'm a bad person and I did this. And, and it's just like at a certain point, I had to give up that story if I wanted to live the life that I really wanted to live. I had to let go of that victim consciousness and, and you know, give all my attention and energy to creating a story that was better suited for the truth of who I was and where I wanted to be. And so that obviously doesn't happen overnight for anybody, right? But you have to break down your process. And that's what I do in the book is I really break it down so people can see here's the paradigms that I applied. And I actually share assignments that I did from spiritual psychology. Like there's a lot of vulnerability in the book for me because I'm sharing actual, my actual process that I went through and how I took the principles, the paradigms and the practices and actually applied them so that I could have a shift. And so my hope is people can read it and they can actually see the practicality of somebody's process, not just, you know, like you said, ideas that somebody might be. Well, I mean, and also like, go. Yeah, seriously. But it also kind of for the, those we, I know we have a lot of listeners who are kind of active in the, in a 12 step process. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. actually sounds very applicable to like a sixth and seventh step, you know, which can Mm -hmm. be very vague, (laughs) which can be like, okay, here are my defects of character. Now what? And so to have like assignments and very like practical and applicable, behavior and thought like shift um like 
work to do as opposed to just like, okay, God, I'm ready. <laughs> like, right. I think right. that f- for those of us who yeah. like need a little bit more direction, it sounds like it could be very helpful for either somebody who's in their sixth and seventh step or somebody who's taking somebody else through the 12 steps and, and might need some more kind of, uh, or not, not necessarily more, but like want additional tools in the toolbox. Additional tools. Exactly. And the, the language of spiritual psychology is really loving. And that's what I like about it too, is I was already being hard on myself. I was <laughs> already totally right. Like, <laughs> like myself right. <laughs> but that's kind of why it's nice because if you are, you know, working with the 12 steps and maybe there is a particular language that that's used there, um, then it can be nice to also hear a different language and see, you know, it's, it doesn't make, mean one thing is wrong or right or whatever. It's just like, see what is resonating for you and what's pulling you forward. Um, and, and that's something that I really do like about the spiritual psychology is there's mm-hmm. a lot of loving language when you don't have that loving language to give to yourself. Right. It's nice to be able to hear it and just even start to open yourself up to it a little bit to see if if you if you want to be with it. So yeah. And do you think it could appeal to people um, at all stages of recovery? Because I know that when I first came into recovery, this idea of loving language just made me want to like vomit in the corner. You know, I'm like, brutal. Tell me it's fucked up, and then we can I can work with that. Yeah. How selfish um, am I? <laughs> yeah. Tell me I'm bad. That's all I want to hear about. <laughs> um, do you think that it can help people at all different stages of recovery, though? I do. I do. I think that spiritual psychology is really best when you're you're at a place in your recovery where you've done a little bit of work on yourself, right? So you're right. I think that maybe if someone is in crisis, spiritual psychology and those principles, I still think the principles and the paradigms are really cool to hear because you're going to read them and you're going to be like, you're just going to have insights and ahas when you read when you read it, you know? And I think that can happen even when someone's not in a really good place. But I don't believe I would have done as well with the spiritual psychology had I not been six months sober. You know, so it really is great if you've been sober for a little while or you've been on your recovery journey for a little while, because it can just be an additional tool and an additional resource to you. And you can see if there's anything here and that's what tools are. It's like they're not the end all be all, but maybe it, you know, you hear something different. And because of hearing it different, now you can let go of the shame because you heard a paradigm or a principle, which is exactly what happened to me. I was able to let go of shaming myself because I started to realize there's more to me than just being a human being who's made a bunch of mistakes. And so that started to open me up to letting in a little bit more of support and love. And one of their principles is healing happens in the loving. Healing happens Mm -hmm. in the loving. And so that's why, you know, a lot of the teachings are about being loving towards yourself and, you know, receiving, receiving love from other people, um, as a way to support yourself and starting to heal. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love the responsibility nugget of it all as well. You know, that I definitely got to this point in recovery and I'd done the steps and I'd taken other people through and I felt like I was still in that victim mentality that you talked about. And I think a lot of people find themselves there like, well, this is just me. Right. I'm stuck here now. 
and that some of the most transformative work which has set me on this coaching journey has been like healing that and so I'm excited to for me personally I think this would be great as somebody I've got what eight and a bit years to look into as well and to keep on that journey with it so anybody who's listening with many more plus to six months like check this out and I do I do have honestly a lot of the people that come to me because I work with a lot of people that want to do something purposeful and meaningful right they want to take their life's challenges and they want to do something purposeful and meaningful usually that's something around coaching Um, but what always is a part of the journey is your healing is not done you know like there's there's more growth to be had is a better way to put it Um, and so I a lot of people that come are at that five-year marker and around there because they've just, again, they've hit kind of a plateau with their growth. And so it's just like, can you receive something else that's going to provide you new insights and awareness about yourself so that you can keep growing while you're trying to hold space and help other people grow too? Rad, 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 rad. So, and finally, before we go into the lightning round, what does intimacy look like for you today? I think, well, intimacy 100% starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me being intimate with myself. And that can be emotionally, sexually, you know, in all these different ways. Um, But I always want to be connected to my true self. And that is where intimacy starts for me, for sure. And then I'm just, I'm, I believe I'm a very intimate person. I'm, I'm a very intimate person. Like I love to have deep conversation with people. I love to have soulful conversation with people. So I feel intimacy can happen in conversations like that with people as well. And so that's why I love coaching because I feel like I can have intimate relationship with, with a coachee that, that creates really profound results, you know, within that partnership. Mm-hmm. And then I have intimacy with relationships that I have, you know, my, my husband, Richard, and just other relationships that I have with my family. So it's, there's so much there, you know, there's so much intimacy. And I really, I connect with that word very strongly. I connect with intimacy very much. um, And I feel like it's a part of every day um, to be intimate with myself, to be intimate with with nature, to be intimate with other people. Like I, I really feel like that is part of my spiritual practice. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Such a joy to have you here today. Let's go into the lightning round. Which is? Lou, take (laughs) us away. Okay. Just to ref our lightning rounds. It's quick. It's impulsive. Don't think about it. Okay. So you feel ungrounded. You feel anxious. What is the first thing you do? (laughs) I tap. I tap. I do EFT tapping. That's the first thing I do. Where can people find more information about tapping if they're not aware of this as a, as a therapeutic practice? Yeah, you can go on YouTube. That's where, that's where I go. I go on YouTube (laughs) and I tap, I type in EFT and you can get it for, for anything, for grounding, for, making a million dollars for (laughs) there's all kinds of stuff in there yeah amazing Amazing. what's your favorite snack um almonds raw or roasted (laughs) um not salted so yes roasted i guess (laughs) delicious um uh 
what is the last favorite book or series you've consumed? Remembering the Light is an awesome book by Drs. Ron and Mary Holdnick, and they are the people that created spiritual psychology. I carry that book around with me everywhere, and it's a really good one. Hell yes. If I remember, we can put it in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's your ideal superpower? You know, when I was little, this is this is funny. Um, my brother would play Dungeons and Dragons, and I always wanted to like have a cape where I could be like invisible when I put the cape on for some reason, which is really interesting because I was very introverted and introspective as a child, and I almost maybe did feel invisible sometimes at home when there was a lot of um, chaos happening. I think my way of being was withdraw withdraw within myself. And so that's what made actually my recovery really challenging, I think, is Mm. that I was so internalized and the negativity and the self-loathing was so internalized there that it it felt hard to break free of that. And so I I see myself with like a, a, a hood and a cape, right, a cloak on and I'm like invisible and people can't see me. And for some reason that feels cool. Yes, I'll borrow that. Oh, cool! Though right. that, like, now your goal for this year is to really put yourself out there. It's such a you know sea change. That's be- that's so exciting. Thank you for saying that. That was a really good pickup. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Going from and that's, that, that is why it feels a bit vulnerable to me because it feels safe to be withdrawn and inside of myself sometimes, um, and it doesn't always feel safe to be really visible and sharing and expressing. Right, um, and so. But I'm I'm a hundred percent down for that that journey and and willing to take it on. So yeah, you're a Jedi. <laughs> you need to be like, oh, yeah. vibrant, <laughs> and we're here to support you in it. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we what, got you. What, what superpower do you presently have? I think one of my my superpowers, um, which coaching has really taught me, is I'm actually much more bigger picture than I thought. My husband and I have this funny thing where he's the bigger picture and I'm the more detailed person. But the truth is I'm also very big picture and I'm really good at breaking things down. Like I'm actually, my superpower is executing things. So I don't just talk about them. I actually break things down and I take action on them. And so I'm able to create a lot of content, a lot of programs, um, because my mind is very fast and and so I'm able to create very quickly. So there's a bunch of superpowers for you. Love Finally, what do you love? I love my husband Richard. Yeah, I love my husband Richard. <laughs> Hi Richard, shout out Richard. Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I love having a spiritual connection with my husband. Um that's been, we met at a coffee shop. I was reading a spiritual book. Um, and I think it was called like Women on Fire or something like that. And he was reading a book about the Buddha. And so we kind of saw each other. And then um, he asked to come over and sit down and the rest is history. And so oh, yeah. just having that connection with somebody on such a deep level, and then be it's been really powerful for me because there's been so much I've had to work through trauma wise, mental health wise. Um, And so having somebody that you can truly just tell all the bits and pieces to 
and be loved and supported unconditionally. It's very important. So yeah, that's oh who I love. Beautiful. What a gift. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a fantastic little moment we've all spent together. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed so it. Me too. Like really, really good. And so happy you could be here. Where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, Holistic Coach Training Institute is really the best place to find me. Um, I also have a free Facebook group that's called Holistic Action Taker Alliance. It's great. Yeah, we're, I'm in it. Yeah, you are in it. <laughs> Where we provide, you know, just support and accountability on moving forward with your higher calling. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are the places. The, the website, Holistic Coach Training Institute is the best place. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Sink it's sun